0: X-Men Get it!
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, I tell you what! Tell me what, Zach. I am tell just, me what. I am just so stinking sick of these dang muties and their super-powered heroic fights always screwing up my commute. I just want to get to Hoboken in decent time but no one's going to let me <laughs> It sounds
0: like you could use the the help of uh, a a tried and true supervillain hell bent on the destruction of all mutant kind
1: you Well know, maybe... I hope so because Adam I have zero <laughs> tolerance for these darn mutants <laughs>
0: You know what you should do is uh, you should create a, like, master mold satellite, like, sentient AI that can, like, zap out all of humanity, uh, all of mutant kind from space. What, what do you think about that?
1: I think that sounds like a real solid operation, Adam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's too Hawksbox. We're, we're we're not in Hawksbox land today. Who are we talking about today, Zach?
1: Uh, we're just talking about... uh. A story that uh, Patreon supporter John Ploman uh, threw out there and said, "Hey guys, can you please talk about this, pretty please?" And we are uh, because we're talking about Bastion and mm. Operation Zero Tolerance. He ain't got no tolerance. No, he doesn't. <sighs> he is an intolerant guy, and mm. you know what? I don't think that that's really acceptable in today's society. It's just there's no, no there's no need for that. There's no need for it, Bastion. <laughs> I mean, in his
0: defense, he is uh, a totalitarian uh, version of the totalitarian robot fascist genocidal maniac Nimrod, uh,
1: which is that
0: revealed here at this point. I, don't, I feel like it's not.
1: I'm pretty sure it's revealed in the 1998 annuals, the Cable Slash Machine Man. And huh. I think it's Cable Slash uh, Bastion is the other one okay <laughs> it's it's in 1998 and i think 99 uh marvel did its annuals by having it be a team up between two different books that's a fun idea yeah so i know like there was an x-men and fantastic four one hmm. uh no that it would have just been 98 because 99 is when they did mtech do you know about mtech hold on adam do you know about mtech
0: <sighs> remind me what this was this sounds
1: very familiar this is when Marvel decided that it should do a imprint of its robot books. So there was a uh, Deathlock book, a Machine Man book, and a Warlock book.
0: I think I remember that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wheezy Weezy does the Warlock book. It's fine. It's oh. not what you want it to be. Mm. Uh, it was supposed to, and I found this out uh, because uh, someone named Sam who writes for Xavier Files. Uh, did a deep dive into the Claremont archive uh, that's at Columbia University, which, as fancy as that sounds, it's like a bunch of filing cabinets filled with Claremont's old printed out emails. Uh, there's there's <laughs> one email awesome. where Claremont just yells <laughs> at his editors like, uh, this guy's doing a really bad job on Generation X. Here's, here's my very long list of things that I think he's doing wrong. And do you know what's so funny? The, the issue he's talking about <laughs> might be my favorite issue of Jay Faye uh Generation X.
0: <laughs> well, we all know that, God bless him, he is uh, not particularly tolerant of, uh, of of after creators that came after him. Shall we yeah,
1: say? Daddy Claremont and I want different things. Also, what I was building up to is that there was supposed to be a Forge uh, series that came out of this that ah. just never happened. But Forge isn't a robot. He just builds robots. He's, like, 20% robot.
0: He is part... Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, a man, but he has, like, robot prosthetics. He's not, like, an android, though.
1: Look, this is the Marvel Universe. The line between uh, someone using something to better their own movement and android (laughs) is perilously thin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is Bastion, like i don't even know like i guess he's a robot he is because do you know what a... do you know what
1: bastion is because it gets Let's revealed see. in those he's... annuals yeah he is not just nimrod yeah he's nimrod and Mold oh. getting smashed together after they went through the siege perilous
0: that makes sense i i think that's a, a fun idea
1: it is um <clears throat> It brings up a lot of questions, and we're not going to deal with any of them here because instead we are going to talk about uh, some stories that Bastion's in. Uh, starting with uh, John's request of Operation Zero Tolerance, uh, which we're going to be covering X Men 65 to 69. Nice. You remember when we had episode 69 and we were mature adults and didn't make that joke the entire time?
0: <laughs> That's because we were like that, that was a uh, younger version of our show. We, we're growing up now.
1: Yeah we're, we're, um, we're now uh, in we're now in sassy immature teens I guess so great for us <laughs> uh, But if you like if you like our you know sassy twisted brand of humor, you can go on over to patreon.com uh, search for Battle of the Atom it's in the uh, episode notes and you can like support the show. And get an entire episode handcrafted around your suggestion, just like John did. Now, for John's first suggestion, again, we have Operation Zero Tolerance. That covers X Men, yeah, 65 to 69. We already did that bit. Uh, written by uh, the professional Scott Lobdell. Uh, he does all of the issues uh, with an assist on 68 uh, from.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Steve Siegel.
1: Steve, awesome. Uh, yep. Art on this is uh, Carlos Pacheco does the vast majority of it. Pascal Ferry does 68. And Salvador Roja does a little bit of number 69.
0: Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, Art the Bear on inks, uh, I believe, throughout.
1: We do. And so, some liquid coloring. Oh, liquid.
0: This is a weird story. This went places I was not expecting it to go.
1: It's interesting because, so this is, this is a Scotty Lobb's Swan Song. This is the end of his X-Men run. And I'm struggling to think of much else related to X-Men that he's written since. Well. I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying that this is probably where, where that gravy train for him ends. And, you know, Lobdell wrote a ton of X-Men. So, like, this is a lot. And he was building to this story uh, even before Onslaught. But really, you know, from the end of Age of Apocalypse through this. He was kind of moving up to this story. It's interesting. So you got Bastion, right?
0: Uh, We do have Bastion, and uh, our story begins with a crashing black bird falling out of the sky, and uh, our current lineup of headlining X-Men are—they're in trouble.
1: Yeah, they all get captured. Uh, That would be Cannonball, Cyclops, Phoenix, uh, Storm, and Wolverine. Uh, And they all get captured, and that's bad for them. And then they go over to Wolverine's solo book and do their Operation Zero Tolerance. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> right. So the uh, the X-Men that are here for the majority of the story are uh, Iceman.
1: No, that's it. Um, that's it. He's the X-Man who's here. He's the only one. True.
0: Yeah, that's it. Everyone, I was going to say Cecilia Reyes comes in. But and Ma- this is uh, where she's Mauro introduced. In, but... This
1: is where they become members of the X-Men. Everyone, <laughs> but they
0: weren't going into this.
1: Everyone else... Everyone else is down in Antarctica giving Gambit a big, long trial. Uh, oh, right. Complete, yeah, that is happening. Oh, my right gosh. There. With Spat and Gavel. Yeah, it's... Oh, that one's weird. Especially... I like it. Especially because this was supposed to be like the 1997 event comic mm-hmm. for X-Men.
0: Well, you know, when you get to... What is that? That's 350 in Uncanny. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to have gotta have a big event. Uh but yeah, I I don't know if this is event worthy, necessarily. Like, it, it, the, the whole thing here is that the U.S. government has, I guess, finally decided, like, gloves off, here come death doll mutants. But, like, they've been operating sentinels on U.S. soil for
1: a long time. Yeah, it's not a, like, Project Wide Awake was discussed in Fatal Attractions in 1993, so <laughs> maybe this has been coming for a little bit.
0: Uh yeah. But anyway, it it takes off and uh it's really up to Iceman for the most part to to save the day. Um uh, this is his book.
1: It is. It's interesting. So Lobdell I think did a lot of good work with Iceman. I know we talked about it in the uh Iceman and Rogue Road Trip. Mm-hmm. Uh issue and this this builds up on that. In between those two stories, uh Iceman spent a lot of time with his dad. Uh, who his dad was bigoted and racist against mutants. Uh, And then even though he found out his son was a mutant, uh, there was a whole bunch of stuff that went down and essentially his dad like stood up for Bobby and said, no, this is my kid. I don't care that he's a mutant. Like I love him. He's my son. Uh, And they got beat up real bad for it.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting status quo change because, you know, even into present continuity, we kind of expect Bobby's dad to be a bigot and, uh, here he's, you know, he's turned over a new leaf.
1: And I I kind of, I'm not the biggest fan of creators in the future picking up on, well, you know, Bobby's dad's just an irredeemable jerk. Uh, because, like, I live in the middle of, uh, you know, fly of a country. I was joking about this with you uh, earlier today, Adam.
0: Now, I live in the yes. middle of
1: nowhere, and you're a coastal elite who's just, yes. you know, too good Adam for all coastal
0: this Adam Coastal Elite Wreck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you and your yachts and all that stuff. But legitimately, I've grown up in a world where I would say racism and sexism and homophobia are a lot more common and open. Uh, just, you know, that's where you get, you know, that's what happens when you go to an area where the local schools have bring your tractor to school day. Uh, Like, that's just a thing that happens. And I've seen people who've expressed those opinions and those thoughts grow out of it and, like, understand Mm -hmm. that, no, that's wrong. So I, I understand that that stuff can legitimately hurt people and cause irreparable damage, and I'm very sympathetic about that. I am also understanding that people can change. So I don't especially love shifting Bobby's dad, you know, giving him this great development here that really does feel natural. And then taking mm-hmm. all that away in the future. That's nothing to do with this story. But I've legitimately been thinking about that a lot recently. Zach,
0: that was a, a Zach's Hot Take Corner. Uh, we It was very subtle, but
1: it happened. Was my hot take that, hey, maybe people can change?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Uh, all inspired by um, the Outback Steakhouse, Bloomin' and Onion, and uh, Bring Your Tractor to Work Day.
1: <laughs> I live a weird life, guys. Anyway... <laughs> Iceman Iceman goes around uh trying to figure out why all the sentinels are around and where all of his friends are. Uh mm-hmm. runs into a couple of mutants. Uh like you mentioned, Cecilia Reyes. Uh she's just working as a doctor. I forget what level of Grey's anatomy she's on at this point. Uh not intern. Uh what <laughs> resident? I think she's a resident.
0: Yes, but she's also uh she's on the dl like she is not out with her mutant hood
1: down low not disabled list guys i was thinking sports sorry uh yes yes
0: um also runs into uh everybody's favorite uh is israeli super spy uh, sabra
1: sabra Sabra?
0: yeah sabra's
1: uh i have no opinion on sabra she's in this story and then, like, just barely, she's there to give some information, and then she's with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not—I don't—I don't think she plays too big of a role in this.
0: Like, no, she's she's walking around in her underwear, which is interesting. I guess. Uh, not sure why that had to be a plot point. Well, but, uh, Sabra is super strong and likes to rip cars in half, so <laughs> cool.
1: she's got that going for her. Uh, we also run into Marrow here, uh, Marrow, yes. who last we checked. Got her heart ripped out by Storm, but luckily she has two hearts.
0: <laughs> oh, thank goodness! That I like that little narration bubble. It's uh... also uh, Charlotte Jones is here.
1: Yeah, her her kid gets kidnapped, mm-hmm. so she's in this weird place where she kind of gives up the X Men, but also kind of helps them. And then this whole thing that was about hey, the U.S. government is going to destroy all mutants and put them into camp, and Days of Future Past is happening now. Turns into Mm -hmm. a rescue mission for Charlotte Jones' son.
0: It also wraps up very anticlimactically. Yeah, uh, you
1: guys, Adam, you've seen the feature film uh, Monty Python's The Search for the Holy Grail. I sure have. You remember how it ends with the cops coming in and arresting everyone and saying, movie's over, we're done. (laughs)
0: That's exactly what happens here, is the U.S. government just kind of decides that they're going to uh, stop Bastion. So the heroes don't even get to save the day.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of a buildup. You get uh, actually a scene I really like with uh, Senator Robert Kelly and Henry Peter Gyrick uh, in the bathroom just chatting and saying. <laughs> so, look, we both kind of suck as people. Not going to disagree. And neither of us like mutants. But this is bad, right? Like this is too far, and then they stop things,
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like, man, we really shouldn't have released these uh these genocidal force onto the world without thinking about it a little bit first and and that's that's just kind of how it ends, but uh Marrow is sticking around, uh Cecilia Reyes is sticking around, so we're we're gaining some new
1: characters onto the team here. Well, I can tell you that us. Uh, it was not supposed to end like this, shocking probably no one who's read this comic. Interesting.
0: What What was the original ending?
1: The way I have understood it is Scott Lobdell was going to keep writing X-Men, uh, mm. which didn't happen. Uh, and this was going to have Magneto coming and stopping Operation Zero Tolerance ah. and saying enough was enough. And then like the Magneto war story that Alan Davis would pick up on like a year and a half later. Mm -hmm. Kind of happens early and kind of like those same similar elements start here. So we'd be fast forwarding to Eve of Destruction. We would be skipping the entire maggot era. And that's Ah. that's untenable. Nope, that's unacceptable.
0: And I do love that um, that that Marrow is here. Like this is a a better look for her than the last time we talked about her on the show.
1: Yeah, I I like this uh, Carlos Pacheco uh, design. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it works a lot better for her. It's the one that when you think of Mero that you've seen with, like, the athleisure outfit and all the bones everywhere. And, like, the bone knives. it's a
0: a lot cleaner than uh, sort of the original uh, uh, Bachelot look with, like, bones sticking out of her head. And, (laughs) you know, she looks a lot more gruesome and skeletal.
1: It's also a lot better than the Alan Davis I'm Pretty Now look. Like... (sighs) Marrow yeah. was a Morlock. She was a leader of the Morlocks. Uh, she's allowed, like by definition, not to be conventionally attractive. That's a feature, yeah. not a bug, Alan. I I really
0: like, genuinely like Marrow as a character, um, especially during the uh, the Cybersphere X Force run. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I like it when Marrow's in there, and she's sort of a nutcase. But um, I don't know this. This is. I think it's a little bit too many issues to tell this particular story, which just doesn't go anywhere. Like it just sort of like stops.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a forgettable story. Like honestly, I don't think if if it didn't have a event branding on it, we wouldn't think of it as anything special.
0: No, they did. It just feels you know like run of the mill monthly. Here's what's been happening, and here's the the villain that we're dealing with this you know season on this show but um you know it it, it's not bad i i didn't like dislike it
1: it's not horrible it's not great i like i like lobdell's iceman in this a lot i think he does a very good job in iceman's really the star cecilia reyes is a great idea marrow's a great character uh like a great base for a character and i think Mm -hmm. With all of these, other writers did a really good job building on this. But that's I think that's more to the credit of those writers than the foundation that they're building on.
0: I think that's fair. Now, we should probably get into ranking mode here. We have 282 stories on our big old Battle of the Atom Master ranking list. Uh, And at the number one slot, we have Dark Phoenix Saga. At 100, we have all new Wolverine annual
1: number one. That's where she switches at, bodies with Spider Gwen.
0: Yes. At 200, we have Spider Man versus Wolverine.
1: That's where Spider Man kills someone.
0: <laughs> and all the way down at 282, we have the Draco. Oh, wait, wait, um, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. Did you know that Spider Man versus Wolverine got referenced in a Marvel comic like a month ago? Oh, really? In Marvel Comics 1000.
0: Oh, you know what? I haven't, I have a copy of that, but I have not read every single page of it. Um, how did that happen?
1: I mean, I mean, uh, Christopher Priest just wrote a story about Threw it. Screw it in. There <laughs> you Christopher go. Priest wanted to talk about that time <laughs> that he said, screw you, Ned Leeds is not the hobgoblin.
0: Oh, man. That is a really strange um, little volume they put out there. Uh, anyway, I think this is better than another Lobdell arc we've talked trash on in the past, which was at 272, Eve of Destruction.
1: Oh yeah, this is better than Eve of Destruction.
0: Yeah. This is better than Um, Wildcats
1: X-Men at 246.
0: I would agree. Um, Where is the X-Men road trip stuff? I think that's that's at 223. 223. This better or worse than that?
1: I mean, it's about even. (laughs) It's like right there. It's like right there. uh, Because like, I like I like stairs better. You know, that time that Mr. Sinister, uh, gangster Mr. Sinister without a cape, pushed Charles Xavier down some stairs?
0: Yep, yep. And I think I like the X-Force uh, uh, issues where Shatterstar teams up with Adam X versus Arcade. Um, and that's
1: exactly where we have this, this road trip arc from Uncanny. Um, I would say right below the road trip arc, because I think mm-hmm. the art in that one is consistently better. And I think the character beats are consistently better. Mm-hmm. But right above uh X-Men four through five Brotherhood of Evil Meetings. Okay. So this is our new 224? This would be new 224. Operation Zero Tolerance. Well, and
0: who knows? We we may uh tackle other uh parts of the Zero Tolerance crossover, but they're they're like independent little islands of stories, right? Yeah. It's not,
1: uh, they're their Not own this
0: big interwoven thing.
1: They're their own Krakoa of stories. Uh, <laughs> just islands floating, uh, mutant home worlds for stories. Uh, and one of those stories, actually, uh, Adam, do you know what it is? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <there> it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Next Man Update. Yeah. Next Man Update. Why can't you? I... I'll, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. You know it's coming every time. I know it's I... coming every time. <laughs> I still crack up like halfway through it because you just get like so frustrated. Like, oh, I forgot about the bit.
0: I knew it was coming, too. I was like, we're talking about x Man this episode. He's going to do the dude to dudes.
1: It's... Um, I, I Oh, look, I'm very happy that we live in the age of hoxes and poxes. Uh, but I... There was an age of X-Men and it was a beautiful time.
0: It's still going on in that little trolley car with uh, and maybe it's happening in like a a Krakoan no place. You just don't know. Uh, Thank you for you that know what
1: I... glorious dream. Anyway, yes, we're talking about X-Men. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and let's talk about the extremely weird first couple of pages of this, which are illustrated not by Roger Cruz, but by Carrie Nord.
1: Yeah, Carrie um, Nord from those really good Conan comics that he did with Kurt Busiek. I, these are weird pages. Oh, this um, is X-Man 30, by the way. Uh, Terry Kavanaugh writes it. The other guys draw it. Keep going.
0: So I... Don't know what happened in X-Men 29, but... Uh, you know he was X-Men living 30... in a clock
1: tower with, like, four chicks.
0: <laughs> okay, well, he's still in said place with said chicks, and said chicks are quite buxom.
1: x Man horny? x Man horny for a lot of the book. This is Pixies Tea era uh, X-Men. I honestly think the Pixies Tea stuff was, like, the arc before this.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's a very strange way to start this issue because, uh, what happens towards the end of this first couple of pages is that Cable reaches out and, uh, I guess telepathically to warn him that the, the gray grandchildren are in
1: trouble, right? Yeah, we're talking about Sarah's kids. Yeah, we're talking about Sarah's kids, uh, Joseph and Galen Bailey. Yes. Uh, man, Um, they, uh, they've had a bad life.
0: Oof. well the uh the sentinels from operation zero tolerance are after these little guys and um Jean gray's father is trying to keep them safe and x-man is here to help out
1: yeah he's like well you're you're close to related to me uh let's <laughs> let's save these kids and i i think it's a nice fun story just like this is this is a straight-up one-shot superhero story i think it works on several levels i think it works as a like it's a crossover tie to an event in the way that hey the nature of the event is going to be the inciting incident for this story that could happen in your book without this event happening which i think is a very smart way to play it
0: yeah i it's it's a good way to uh to interject x Men. Into this universe similar to like an Adam X kind of thing. Um, and you know what? x Man needs a little more personality. So maybe let him have adventures in babysitting a little bit more often. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, not a ton happens in this. But you at least get... I, I feel like you get more definition on what drives x Man in this story than you do. In say, than say like 5 through 7 that we talked about previously.
0: Um, yes, I think we have a, a, a little bit more personality from the character. Um, he is rocking some some blue jeans here. He is rocking a puka shell necklace and a and a cross. Um, so I don't know if X Man found Jesus or surfing in the in between. Again, <laughs> like again, he was he was he was a
1: bohemian. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I keep forgetting. Say this
0: with a straight face. <laughs>
1: Nate Gray was a bohemian style healer in Central Park for a while and there was, there was a small cult that formed around him
0: X <laughs> uh, is with... such
1: a bad book it's oh, wild how bad it is there's also like a, a street
0: urchin in this book <laughs> like, I don't know how to describe this other child that's what are, are you talking about Roust one of the forgotten yes roust uh roust is very unnecessary here but is it serves as some cannon fodder here Uh,
1: yeah i don't know roust roust was uh not a morlock but close enough but here's the thing do you know who was running this group of not morlocks oh please share i don't know abomination Hey, all right. We were just talking about abomination last week yeah this is this is two abomination appearances in this show um three, if you count the very recent uh time we talked about uh arms of the octopus, oh, that's right,
0: well, that wasn't really abomination but still very gammatastic yeah. <laughs> Did you? Did you? We didn't even mention that Maddie Pryor gets a little cutaway scene here too.
1: Yeah, Maddie Pryor gets a bunch of cutaway scenes in X Men, and they amount to like nothing, and it sucks because there's a lot of weird like Hellfire Club stuff. Yeah, she's just kind of standing
0: around with a nosebleed. I think that's yeah. about
1: it. I think she feels the psychic trauma of everything that's happening with her deep connection to her alternate world son lover.
0: Well, at least she now it it appears here she knows how she was created.
1: Yeah, Um, she figured out that Nate willed her into being.
0: (laughs) Which must feel great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, X-Man's your god. Don't you feel special? Man, (laughs) that's the most disappointing heaven. You wake up and it's Nate Gray standing there with (laughs) his stupid tattoo and his abs. And he's like, hey, uh, I made all the Ten Commandments. Here's some gold streets. We could have used asphalt.
0: (laughs) Oh, X-Men, I'd like to say that we love you, but I'm not
1: sure. I don't Um, love him, but I do have, it's not respect, it's not love, it's some sort of deep connection to him that I hate, but I can't get rid of. It's like he's family, I think is the real, the (laughs) real thing here. X-Men's like a cousin that I have to stick up for. (laughs)
0: he's the he's the uh the the uncle that shows up for thanksgiving and you just know you have to spend at least 10 minutes
1: talking to him before you can get out of the uh, living room you've gotta you've gotta talk to uncle nate gray uh <laughs> just like joseph and bail or joseph and galen have to uh yeah it's fine like nothing much happens he rescues some kids
0: yes he convinces the sentinels that the kids are dead bastion is like man i i hate that we had to kill some humans but you know we gotta eliminate these bloodlines i guess which takes this to an- another weird level like what's your prime directive bastion this doesn't quite make sense
1: no it doesn't but look there's a long history of the gene gray bloodline being uh something people want to murder oh yeah we've covered some of that before um
0: i i you know, except for the last page and the and the first couple pages, which are uh, not my cup of tea. The Roger Cruz art here is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, it's solid. It's some like real good Cruz stuff.
0: Yeah, it's good. Uh, and it's just it's kind of a chase. It ends, and then that's about it. So, uh, X Men fans out there, you will, I guess, have liked this book. I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> I didn't hate it.
0: As no. No, it's way better than uh, the first uh, arc that we covered, uh, and that's currently at 265 on our master list.
1: It's better than that, yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, yes. On our list also, let's see, uh, 212 is the C.B. uh and Chris Batchelow Age of Apocalypse. I think that's better than this.
0: Yeah, I, I would say so. Um I I mean, here's the thing about this. Like, it's not terrible, but I I doubt I'm going to revisit it at any time. You know what I mean? Like, I think what we just talked about with uh, that other piece of Operation Zero Tolerance was better than this. Okay. uh,
1: Hmm. Okay, I'm looking right. Just a couple spots below that is uh, Cable, the long way, where they go Mm -hmm. to Genosia and fight Sugarman. Yes. I think this is worse than that. Yeah. I'm going to say definitely better than 231 The Haunting of Castle Doom uh, from X-Force. And to me, probably a better crafted story than New Mutants 98 to 100 The Beginning of the End, though I could be swayed on that matter, which is at 230.
0: I think think it would probably uh, be a good 231. What do you think? Right below New Mutants
1: 98 to 100? I
0: mean, look. Or new mutants 99
1: did introduce the best uh uh x-force character which is of course feral
0: <laughs> somewhere someone just spit out their cereal uh sorry charlie right, so this is this is our new
1: 231 <laughs> this is 231 uh right. x-man 30 uh Now, uh, instead of talking about another Operation Zero Tolerance story, we're just going to talk about another time Bastion showed up because I can't believe we've done like a hundred plus episodes and not touched this run really.
0: Well, we did talk about it in reference to Second Coming,
1: didn't we? Uh, Oh yeah, and Messiah Complex, not Messiah Complex, uh, Messiah War. Uh, We're talking about X Force. Yes,
0: Volume Three from uh, starting in two thousand and eight.
1: Yeah, this is by uh, Thor, Ragnarok, co-writers uh, Craig Kyle, and Chris Yost uh, with art by Clayton Crane.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the art for a second. This takes a couple pages to get used to, but once it starts getting into its action stuff, I, I find myself really liking it.
1: Oh, I love Clayton Crane. Like, if someone told me they didn't, I'd say, yeah, I get it.
0: Uh <laughs> You know where I was sold? Where is, were you sold? Uh, in the first issue, we cut to uh, a shot of Warpath getting ready to uh, do a sort of a, a funeral rite for Caliban. Mm-hmm. And there's this absolutely gorgeous, uh, almost full-page uh, spread of him. It's an aerial shot with the Thunderbird logo and rocks. And Caliban is wrapped up you know, on top of a, a pyre there. And it's just... I don't know. Like, there are a couple of full pages like that in here that are absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, Crane or Crane, he, uh, I believe he works digitally, uh, and he does a lot of like digital painting mm-hmm. over all of his art. It's very interesting. When it's bad, it can sometimes look like like a bad three D rendered, uh, like model. But when it's good, it's got this incredible mix of realism with a fluid cartoony motion that is so rare to get in more photorealistic art like well
0: and it it works really well for this story because this is a very violent story with uh, a big body count and especially when he gets a chance to um go very high contrast like i think the first couple of pages are a little bit jarring because it's in full daylight yeah the script the
1: script doesn't help him like right when this book starts (laughs)
0: Yeah, once you start putting these characters into night scenes with explosions and lots of blood, like, man, he is, like, on fire.
1: Yeah, so let's talk about this story. This is coming right out of Messiah Complex. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Cyclops pretty much goes to Wolverine and says, hey, you remember how you guys had X-Force during Messiah Complex? That's a (laughs) book now. People liked that idea, and we've we've been picked up for a full series.
0: Uh yeah, Wolverine's not too happy about the, uh, the roster here. He does not want um, Laura Kinney involved, and yet she's already been sent out.
1: Yeah, um, uh, he's nomination. really upset about that. And with good reason, because Laura uh, came to the X-Men to not be an assassin. And mm-hmm. the first chance he gets, Scott Summers does say, hey, Laura, need you to murder. Need you to do <laughs> right. some murder for me.
0: <laughs> and she has some absolutely great moments in here where, you know, I, I think there's a, a moment where uh, where Warpath is like, doesn't any of this bother you? And, he's, and she's just like, I don't understand your question. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, Warpath's in this. Warpath's
1: probably my favorite character in this. I love yeah. this Warpath.
0: Yeah, it's a great version of the character who's who's willing to just do whatever it takes, um, but but still has a level head about him. Well,
1: and he's um, apprehensive about it, which I love because X Force up until this point was not the super murder book. Mm. It like they were the special ops team, but they were really just another superhero team. Just Cable had a big gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not that this is much grittier and grimmer and darker in a oh, yes. interesting way. And I like Warpath being the contrast there to say, uh this is more than I expected.
0: Yeah. And they are pretty much the team, just the three of them, because uh, Rain is also supposed to be involved in this, but um, we didn't even talk about what they're doing. Their, their goal here is, um, is to really get rid of the purifiers. Um, because Matthew is it Rissman? Is yep. that the, the Matthew purifier? Rissman, right? Um, is working with Eli Bard, and uh, Eli has the great idea to go get Bastion. Um, so they bring Bastion back, and Bastion has an even worse idea, which is he's going to go and basically take a piece of magus back off the ocean floor yep uh, so that he can resurrect all of the x-men's worst
1: genocidal human villains which is if you're a genocide robot a great plan if you're a mutant or anyone who understands the scale of destruction and death of these people that include donald pierce the leper queen cameron hodge great and creed reverend william striker Stephen Lang and Bolivar Trask have committed, uh, it's terrifying. And there's there's a moment where Bastion is standing in front of his, uh, you know, human high council and above them is just their body count. Oh, uh, yeah. It's yeah. chilling. It is, it is Hickman-esque. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Hickman, Hickman pulled the numbers straight from there. You think he calculated that stuff? No, he said, I remember that really good scene that uh, Kyle and Yost did. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be a data page now.
0: Uh, And so we get Rain kidnapped by Reverend Craig, uh, her father slash antagonist, um, who basically turns her into like a murder werewolf.
1: Yeah, so they get her real high on heroin.
0: Which, okay, that's one way to do this i I don't know that strikes me as very strange yeah
1: i don't i don't like the fact that uh rain did a lot of heroin once uh that's that's not comfortable for me in general but they do that and then they hypnotize her uh so that anytime she sees an angel she'll go nuts and rip off the angel's wings so that they can take the wings back to the purifiers so the purifiers can create an army of archangels she that rips off is... archangel's wings by the way.
0: Yes, and uh well, she rips off angel's wings and they bring them back and they have enough like apocalypse stuff inside that they're basically able to turn an army of purifiers into baby <laughs> baby archangels.
1: They're the choir so, they're the choir of angels yes
0: yes they're the choir so like we get the 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 violence and the the like absolute savagery of this arc just keeps amping up until you get to this point where like archangel and x-force is fighting against all of these metal winged purifiers it is
1: nuts and there's a lot of blood in a lot of bodies Mm. uh there's a lot of that rain uh rain does accidentally eat her dad once yes because she thinks that he is an angel it's fair he's standing in front of some angel wings
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. uh and then anyway x-force kills matthew reisman and then eli bard gets away they're like oh we're gonna have to deal with that guy later
0: yeah eli bard is an interesting uh, character here because bastion uh has no record of eli bard and his records um now Eli is like connected to Celine, right? He's yeah, that, it all comes uh, up later in the re- Yes. Yeah, he's the guy that brings everybody back from the dead, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I I was surprised by this arc. You know, I, I'm like watching it unfold and going, Yeah, I don't know if this is for me. And then as it kept going, I was like, wow, this is really good.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty good arc everyone uh everyone forget that
0: yeah um and you know we get these culminating scenes like this this beautiful page it it looks like a uh almost like a renaissance painting of of warren with his angel wings laying on top of like this field of the dead purifiers it's oh the
1: the bodies that he did just murder a lot of
0: yeah but it's really pretty and uh and you know, we get the entire setup for this book because when they get back to Cyclops, he's basically like, OK, Hollywood squares. We've uh, <laughs> we put an X in this particular uh, square. Now, who are you going after next? That's the cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, he does try and just straight up make sure that a lot of people will be dead, mm. which good for Cyclops, really.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he pretty much pulls the same stunt in Rosenberg's. uh uncanny you know he makes a list and he checks it twice and he he says we're gonna go kill these people but in this well just the naughty
1: ones not the nice ones
0: (laughs) in this case Wolverine you're gonna you're gonna go with uh these murder folk and and go do this but um I enjoyed this I mean like if you like big uh John Wick style action like you could do worse this is kind of fun
1: yeah here's the here's the thing I get that the terms like dark and gritty reboot and all this stuff get thrown around as a negative. And there's definitely aspects of that when done poorly that I truly dislike. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case for this story. I think this is a dark story. It's like you won't feel great by the end of it. It's violent. It's bloody. It's also pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you,
0: you... – I mean, and we have to put this into perspective because, like, they're basically just, (laughs) like, the people that they are going after are these
1: uh, obsessed. None of them have killed less than 25 mutants.
0: Right. Like, they are terrible, terrible murderers. So, you know, like, we talk about cannon fodder uh, in these kind of stories a lot, but in this case, not, you know. don't want to say that like killing is justified or whatever it's it's a fictional story um but at the same time like here you you can understand why they're doing what they're doing um but if you like action and and you you know want to ramp it up like this is a perfect
1: story to to enjoy that kind of a story yeah so where does it where does it go on the list then uh if it's not not a perfect story but an interesting one and one mm -hmm. that like i enjoy I like, I like this run. I've, I've said before, this run would get remembered so much more if Uncanny X-Force didn't follow it up and was as good as Uncanny X-Force is.
0: Yeah, that kind of takes it to another level. I mean, we have Messiah War at 72, and we have Second Coming at 75. How would you square this up against those?
1: I put it at that level. Like, okay. I, I put it right around that point. I really like this story. Like I, I was, I was afraid going back into it that I might like come back to it. Like I know I liked this in the past, but maybe this is actually bad and I haven't realized it yet. No, no I, I think I, I liked it, it a lot.
0: I think it's pretty good. Um, it, it it has some great character moments in it, and it just like it builds on itself. Um, you know, it gets it, to this level of
1: insanity that's pretty. It's got it's got cool. a Hickman esque way of escalating. <laughs> like it's like oh yeah. by the way the Megas is here and what's, what's interesting in the position we are now is I'm able to see where all of those threads end up paying off and where a bunch mm-hmm. of the threads like came from in their yeah. uh, new X-Men run mm-hmm. so I, I think there's a lot to like about this I, I would agree um, I I think it's definitely better than number 76 Ultimate X-Men 1 through 6 the tomorrow people
0: I would agree um, Second Coming is obviously the culmination of this story, but I think this is a little tighter than that.
1: I'd actually um, disagree with that point because Necrotia is really the culmination of this story, but please continue.
0: Well, in Second Coming, didn't we have uh, Bastion coming back and uh, with his Nimrod army? Am I right?
1: We, we do, but I would say that the larger plot points that this particular book is setting up uh, is the stuff that really happens in Necrotia. Okay. Uh, but we've we've not talked about that. I don't know if you've read that or not.
0: I've read pieces of it, but Second Coming I don't think is as strong as this. Um I would put this ahead of Mojo Mayhem.
1: You'd put it ahead put- of Mojo Mayhem. Okay, that's interesting.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh I would put it ahead of the Pizza Hut X-Men comics. Um I, I like would, this better than Messiah War,
1: personally. I would I would say that the limit on this is number 70, which is X-Force Assault uh, on Grey Malkin. That's what I was going to say.
0: I think this would make a really good 71.
1: So you think this is better than Magneto Triumphant? Um,
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a really solid couple of issues.
1: All right. Uh, well, X-Force Volume 3, Number 1 through 6, Angels and Demons. Uh, comes in at number 71. This is the one where they got them real sick black and white costumes. This is yep. some good costumes. Yep. Red red eyes. Oh the red, it's, it's cool. the red eyes are a little much on everyone. <laughs> like everybody's got the red eyes. Wolverine, fine. Everyone having the red eyes. That's lit. that's that's that line between cool and too edgy.
0: Are you trying to say that Warpath doesn't
1: get to play with red eyes? He needs some red eyes, doesn't he? Warpath, Warpath's got his big old vibranium knives. He can stab whatever he wants. He don't need red eyes. Warpath doesn't even <laughs> need a mask. He can, he can That's just be Proud Star and be like, "I'm big and strong, and I can fly when I feel like it." <laughs> Man, people keep forgetting that Warpath can fly because, well, it was an underdeveloped thing that Warren Ellis did. Uh, yep. But he can do it.
0: He can do it. It's and it's actual flight right it's not like a hulk jumping situation
1: no we can actually just fly it's wild so weird
0: weird. all right that was pretty good uh bastion is sure an interesting character
1: he sure is uh also an interesting character is patreon supporter john plyman uh john thank you so much for supporting the show if you want to be like him go to patreon you can support at whatever level you want or not support and keep getting this podcast every week for free man that's not normally how i do this bit and now i'm throwing myself <laughs> off hold on tell them how how they can support zach if you support it uh like the two dollar a month level or higher we'll just craft a whole episode around one of your thoughts and ideas and one of your weird weird uh you know ramblings on the x-men i did just buy a tv guide from uh july 15th of the year 2000 that has an <laughs> exclusive Salvador la roja and chris claremont comic uh that, you know what? If you want us to review that TV Guide comic, I'll buy Adam a copy. He can get... You can... I, I didn't get the good Cyclops cover. I had to get the Wolverine one, which is a Oh, you sad. didn't get the Wakanda Forever? Uh, Cyclops one. is straight doing a Wakanda Forever! Which <laughs> it makes an X. Like, the X-Men. It's not X. that complicated. Uh, oh, boy. No. But I'm excited about that. I'm going to read that soon. Uh, mm-hmm. If you like all the other stuff, that's going on uh you can also follow on um, xavierfiles.com that's where you get all the latest and greatest in x-men news and reviews uh this last week we've had a couple of really cool pieces go up including a deep dive into the claremont archives about some characters that claremont saved from being murder killed on genosha um yeah it's it's a good piece i was excited it was it was information that i legitimately didn't know which was a fun little uh fun little tidbit (laughs) um you can also find all that stuff on patreon or not on patreon uh on twitter at xavier files hey adam where can people find you online
0: all right guys you can always follow me at arthur stacy and this is uh usually the part where i tell you that new pages of bish and jubes come out every x-men monday um but between the last episode and this episode bish and jubes is over um, after five issues and after three years of working on the book, uh, the, the, the final page came out last week. Um, so this episode is slated to come out on Monday, October 7th, uh, tomorrow on October 8th, which is a Tuesday will be the launch of the Bish and Jubes collected edition trade paperback Kickstarter. Um, there are a lot of cool exclusives as part of this book, including um, an all-new cover, a um, full color by myself. We've got an all-new introduction by my co-host, Zach Jenkins. Um, we've got uh, all five pages of Bish and Jubes included. We've got All new,
1: five pages of it.
0: All five pages. Uh, all 130 pages. Um there and All go. five issues. Um, all new colors by Amanda Stewart on the covers for search for Bishan jubes and attack on the mansion. Um, and we've got pinup artwork by Steven Reinfurt, Arpad Okay, Karen charm, Nelson Hernandez, and Vitali Kalchenko. Um, there's even going to be an exclusive five page epilogue that will not be appearing on my website. So this is the only place you can get to, uh, read that, um, for reward tiers. There's also going to be some additional goodies that you can get, including, Shelby Wolf X cutie, uh, enamel pins. And you can also get the, all the best X-Men are women t-shirt. So, um, there's a lot of different reward tiers depending on your budget, but if you just want a copy of the book, um, you can pledge $20 and get that mailed right to your house. Um, and so I invite everybody to check that out. We will be tweeting the links out on uh, the 8th. And, uh, I hope you'll support, um, it's a modest goal to get everybody a copy of the book and I hope that you take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, guys, I just want to throw this out there because I have literally no fiscal stake in this. In fact, I will be losing money on this Kickstarter, uh, because I will be spending (laughs) my own money to support Adam here. Uh, but, uh, you've got to check this out. Bish and Jubes is legitimately one of my favorite things that's like happened in the last few years regarding X-Men comics. (laughs) I I love it so much. There's so much just good stuff, and I'll save it all for the intro to the book. Uh, But seriously, if you've not read it, you owe it to yourself to support this because it's so good.
0: Thank you, Zach. Uh, And and just to clarify uh, this is a non-profit kickstarter so really we're we, just we covering... do have
1: to say that yes
0: yeah i want to make sure everybody knows that uh i don't own these characters so uh this is just to cover printing and postage costs we're trying to keep costs down as much as possible and uh we hope you'll support um our next episode uh is going to be a wild one guys uh coming this thursday i will be in new york city for new york city comic-con um i have a slew of interviews lined up with people from hawks uh, pox uh, docs age of x-men you name it um and uh, i'm not going to name names because god knows what's actually going to happen over those four yeah, days i was
1: about to jump in there and say adam let's not make promises we can't keep cons yeah. are real busy
0: uh but it's going to be great, um, so uh, I'm, I am going to promise you a super special special, uh, not unlike Zach's C2E2 special uh, from uh, last year, and uh, it should be a good one.
1: One of these days, we're going to go to a con together, and we'll both yes. be on a con
0: episode. Yes, eventually. Uh, Someday. But, uh, for now, it's it's just me.
1: Well, you know what, Adam? That's true. And you know, one day, one day we will find it—that uh, comic connection.
0: <laughs> sing it, sing it.
1: <laughs> I'm not my son. My son sings it better than me, and it's so charming. Have you heard? Have you heard? A, like a two or three year old sing Rainbow Connection? Because it I will have, bring a tear to it's your. It's so eye. funny
0: that you say that. I have saved on my voice memos on my phone a recording of my daughter singing it from probably around the time she was four. And I, I treasure it. It's the, one of the sweetest things ever. So you should get Xavier Files Jr. on the mic there uh, and, and get re- record that one for
1: posterity. Well, we're going to try it. But until then, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience.
0: Yeah!